Welcome to the Command Post Podcast, powered by First Do. I'm your host, Tom Lewis, First Do's Brand Ambassador. With me today is Kevin Soffin. Kevin is the Director of Innovation at WS Darley & Company, overseeing product development, market strategy, and emerging technology. During the last 10 years, Kevin successfully commercialized a range of products that include packaged water in a box, virtual reality training, and autonomous drone solutions. In 2017, Kevin launched the SmartFirefighting.com community, which highlights thought leadership around technology and innovation adoption in the fire service. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's welcome Kevin to the podcast and let's get it started. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Tom, I'm doing quite well. Thank you. Appreciate being here. And how are you doing today? Doing doing really well. Thank you for asking. Yeah, it's a it's a pleasure to have you here. Looking forward to learning from you. And uh, you know, this is we keep it informal here. So just you know, go kick it off with some basic questions, and then just let the conversation carry. Right on. Well, that's how I live my life. So sounds good to me. <laughs> okay, excellent. So I know you know you are at at Darley, but kind of share with us, you know, who you are, what you currently do, and your journey that got you there. Awesome. Thank you very much uh, for the question. Yeah, so kind of a little bit into the origin story. I'm a, originally from Los Angeles, California, the fourth of seven children. I spent my summers going to Wisconsin and then I grew up on the lake. I've always been one that loves water, uh, spending time by the water and being with my family there. Um, went to school at University of Wisconsin-Madison and then I've had the fortune of working with WS Darling Company for the past 10 years and I've helped work on a range of commercialization and business development initiatives with them, starting from emergency water response systems, from water treatment, taking dirty water, turning into clean water, to water in the box, think wine in the box, but water in the box, and using that for water resupply for military operations, using that for disaster response to whether it's a hurricane or examples like the train derailment in Ohio. Um, so spend a lot of time on that. And then in the past five, six years, have worn a, a hat more focused on technology commercialization, uh, predominantly focused on virtual reality training and drones often used for incident command operations. Um, so a lot of moving pieces there in terms of working with manufacturers, working with the customers, figuring out what the ultimate best way to bring technology into the spaces. And then um, in the past four or five years, Ever since NIST and NFPA wrote this wonderful report called the Roadmap to the Future of the Smart Firefighting, Smart Firefighter, um, I saw this report was around like a 300-page report, and I'm kind of a nerd and loved reading it. But I thought, man, that's a it's a great report. Uh, but how how can we mobilize this? How can we turn into action? Um, so uh, along with with two of the colleagues, I launched this idea of smartfirefighting.com. And the idea was pretty simple. How do we bring together different stakeholders to talk about, advocate, and advance technology integration into public safety? And have identified a couple different key stakeholders. One are the entrepreneurs and the startups. Two are the, the channel partners and distribution partners, kind of like the, the Darleys and the Pierces and the TFTs of the world. Um, the third would be the institutional partners. These are .govs, .orgs, .edus, uh, those that are kind of writing policy or research. And then the final are the actual first responders, the actual progressive first firefighters that are 
embracing technology, exploring new best practices. Um, really just have been, it's been a lot of fun just creating forum to bring people together to, to talk. Our biggest mediums are, are our podcast, the Smart Firefighting Podcast. We do roundtables and, and just different things to connect and bring people together to continue to shorten the gap on bringing technology into the space to help first responders do their job better, faster, and more efficient. Nice. Nice. So smartfirefighter.com, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, what are what are some of those in that 300-page report? What are some of the key items that you you came across that you're helping to facilitate um, through these forums and the podcast um, that we should we should be aware of? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's quite a bit and I recommend everyone um, go and check it out. Uh, Casey Grant and uh, a lot of these different leaders from NIST spent a lot of time writing this report. Um, but if you go through it, it sort of breaks down all these different sort of big macro buckets um, from a lot of talk about communications, um, looking at sensors, whether they're stationary or mobile sensors, um, different ways of how we're collecting data, and then ways that we can synthesize this data using new artificial intelligence, machine learning models to take data and process it in a new way and allow first responders to consume that data in a manner that's actually actionable. Um, I think we've seen a lot of technologists and entrepreneurs have these great ideas and come up with new data, but if the data isn't accessible in a manner that's as basic as a go left or go right or red red or green light type decision-making, then it's just overloading the cognitive load of a first responder. So a lot of talk on that. And, and I'm just pulling up the report now. Um, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of, there's a little bit, of, there's something for everyone. Um, in particular, the areas that I have definitely spent a lot of focus on is training. How there's, there's no excuse to be, to, for, in my opinion, for any training injury or deaths in, in 2023. And what are the ways that we can use new training tools to complement and supplement existing training methods? Of course, we cannot replace all the standard hands-on training, um, but there's some really cool immersive learning tools that are coming out. Um, and for example, Kemalette from NAFTD and Casey Grant, um, he they work together on this, creating this new roadmap that'll be published at the end of this year about how immersive learning can be integrated to public safety. Um, and it's not just, that does not mean you have to wear a VR headset. There are a lot of ways that you can take 3D models in BIM files, building information management files, and create simulations that can be consumed on your cell phone that can create place-based orientations about entrance and exits to a building or where is the fire extinguisher located. Um, so there's there's a lot of ways that this advanced quote-unquote technology can be simplified in, this sim in a very consumable manner that can be consumed on a 2D smartphone. Um, so there's there's a little bit of there's a lot on that there's a lot on the kind of the um, kind of resiliency around comms. I think that's one that's that's really exciting to me in terms of how are we using satellite comms to a blend of different LTE networks to be able to allow first responders anywhere in the world the ability to pull out their phone and allow it to do what it needs to do. Um, like if you're a first responder. You just want to be able to pull out your device 
and know that it works. <laughs> I don't really don't really care what's happening on the back end, um, but there's some really cool tech from a, a variety of technology players like the Kaimetas and Digeros and Microsofts of the world that are blending these different pieces and allowing the first responder to pull out their phone and allow them to run an app as simple as that. So that's hmm. that's some of the exciting stuff that I'm seeing on a macro level that is starting to come to fruition on a very much of a micro grassroots actionable level. Nice. Nice. What um what are some of those apps doing in case you know the the, the viewer and the listener wants to know okay we there's you know first do is you know has an app there's apps galore. What what mm-hmm. are some of these apps that you mentioned what are what will they do yeah i mean some of the apps are just you just want to be able to use the apps that you already use but know that they can work in remote places so that's the resiliency around the comm so we're talking on zoom right now um hey i want to be able to make sure zoom or teams works when i'm out in the field um that's that's an example i mean nothing crazy just being able to make sure that i see the app works the other some other apps i mean you are seeing some some uh, new accountability tracking technologies coming out um, where using Samsung phones running ATAC uh, or some other industry software where you're able to get new operational insights that before seemed impossible or too expensive. But now, I mean, ATAC is, is, is a free government software. Um, you can use it for a range of situational awareness tracking um, you know, to the, to then the first two apps, like how can you use these apps on a phone or a tablet to gather a thousand pieces of data and give you a tablet that says, Hey, you know, this is, this is the incident you're about to go to. Um, and here's the, the, uh, bullet point checklist of what you should prepare for. Um, so I think what's those a, are some, what's a, for those that don't know, what's ATAC? Um, the actual definition of ATAC, I should know. Uh, let me see. The, it is the Android Team Awareness Kit. And in my humble opinion, from what I've heard from responses from talking with both first responder and military personnel, um, it is one of the best softwares that the military has created. And it can be run on a device, um, whether it's your phone or your tablet. And it, it integrates geospatial data. It integrates a range of different data sets that allow you to have um, a tool to understand where you should go, where have your first responders been, uh, what are what are different ways that you can communicate important information about place-based um, actions that need to, need to occur. And, and there's a lot of integrations and overlap with companies like 3AM Florian or Esri that all have bits and bobs and pieces of, of how that inter- interlaps, but a- ATAC is, is is definitely something that every first responder should consider when trying to think about a new tool to expand situational awareness in a, an urban or rural or, or a wooey type environment. Okay. What are some other technologies that, are, that have been exciting to you? Um, well, one is definitely, I think the two that are really catching my attention um, one is they're both both kind of startup early companies, but one there's a particular company called Ascent Integrated Technologies, and they're out of Chicago. They're still free revenue, but they have taken all these different sensors and integrated them to as a retrofit to the hardware, um, to the headset, 
and integrating infrared and biometrics and being able to, and, and Z access and ultimately being able to track and map the building while you go into it and being able to understand what you're looking at and where you're actually located and relaying all this information back to an incident commander to have full operational insights on where the first responder is, how they are doing, and in a stream of communication to them. Um, and you've always heard this, the access is the holy grail. And and, and I think it, it very much still is this. So what is, that, thing. what is that e-access? Z-access. Z Z-access. Yeah, so just it, obviously X and Y of knowing the kind of lat long, okay, but then Z actually the altitude. Um, and so if, if I can know as an incident commander that my first responder is not only in in this building at the at the on the left corner, but I can know they're on the fourth floor mm. um, in, in the in the Bravo corner. Um, so that that's critical, um, and it's something where I think you see a lot of tech now. Is I just know if you're on the fire scene, <laughs> there's the whole uh, whiteboard and, and and magnets and, and tag right. system that is still very prevalent prevalent and sometimes stupid simple is good. Uh, but when thinking about the importance of that operational insights, um, the the ascent technology is something that that's coming out that's that's very intriguing to me. And then the other one that that again I really like it because of the scale. Um, it's a Canadian company based out of Vancouver called Loci, um, but they're taking 3D BIM files and then creating simulations that you can use for for any sort of manufacturing enterprise facilities or or let's say uh, ports or anything that has a lot of people coming through them and we can create very simple 15 to 60 second micro learning modules that are from the bird's eye perspective of a human and you can get a visualization of where the entrance is and where the exit is and then as opposed to sitting in a safety briefing where you're you know death by powerpoint falling asleep looking at your cell phone we can create very simple modules that allow you to understand this is the entrance this is the exit and during a disaster when i go to my fight or flight brain i am able to know exactly i can pull from that memory that's been ingrained in me um, and then they also are making some modules around fire extinguisher locations and and really looking at behavior change in a in built environments um, and distributed through cell phones um, in in small and in, in accessible tech so those are two that from just being in the in the weeds the past couple of years that um they've really caught my attention um and excite me when it when it comes to how technology can be integrated and, and really deliver value to the different stakeholders across public safety. So with with both the scent, the sensors and, and the loci, the uh simulations, when um when do we expect to go to market on 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 either of these that you know it'll be available to fire departments to to use? Yeah, I think both of those are trending towards it. They, they're they're both in beta right now, and meaning that they're they're have active early customers testing it. Um, but I'd say summer twenty twenty three, you're going to start seeing a lot of uh, roadmap to that. Um, and I think that's something just to keep be mindful of anyone listening and thinking about tech is that. Of course, we all want it to just be done with a bow on it, with a part number that I can buy and it's ready to go. We all want that. But there's, I encourage anyone listening to be willing to uh, embrace tech um, or at least maybe even have conversations with entrepreneurs 
to help guide them down the right path. Um, that's something I've seen. One of my biggest um, pet peeves and something that keeps me up at night is wasted resources. And when you see an entrepreneur going down a rabbit hole, that's the wrong rabbit hole. It's sad because had they just talked to a first responder sooner, they could have just you know steered them to this other rabbit hole that was actually the right rabbit hole. Right. Um, and so I think that's that's all part of this. If you really want something and there's a need you have, it's important that we hear from you. And um, that's the stuff I want to hear in my podcast. That's the stuff that our community wants to hear about. And um, you know, this new tech, it's it's very much it's not like a ten year thing away. It's it's we're talking. It's there today and only getting better by the day. What are what's well, that's cool. What um, what are some recent examples? So these are kind of in beta or emerging. Um, in your time in the past 10 years that you've been doing this, what's some of the technologies you've seen come to fruition and that, that are either been widely adopted or in the process of becoming widely adopted? The two best examples I have just because I've been so in the weeds on them are, are virtual reality training and, mm -hmm. and drones. And for VR, there's been this mindset of like, hey, I'm not saying it's to everyone, but there's this mindset of, you know, you, you got to feel the heat, you got to get the smoke and you got to get, you got to get in the fire. And no doubt there's still a time and a place for burn towers and live burns and stuff like that. Having said that it's expensive and hard and challenging and time consuming to get in to, to the late Bobby Halton. He said, you need to be able to get sets and reps. And with the environmental restrictions, the health restrictions, the cost restrictions, it's, it's hard to train as a first responder, especially on high-risk stuff. Um, so there's two vendors in particular that um, have really caught my attention that I've been exciting to work with. One is called Flame Systems, and they make a, a flame trainer, which is a really cool um, haptic immersion firefighter training tool to be able to train on hose handling skills, to be able to train on what how you should approach a fire from an incident command operation outside of a two-story building and and James Mullins, the CTO, talks about the last thing you do is put the wet stuff on the red stuff. The the hard stuff is is everything before. And so you're able to practice your radio comms and the contextual environment and just able to put students in an environment where you encourage, I'm not saying you should fail, but we encourage you to to try and, and, and maybe fail. Because if you do fail, it's it's okay because you're not gonna you're not gonna die. Um, and you're seeing some really cool examples of how hard would it be to go and get a Tesla and explode it and train on it in a city right now? Like you, <laughs> those only exist in the unfortunate situations of disasters. Having said that, there's amazing fire science dynamics built into the serious game engines that is allowing us to train on what it's like to deal with lithium ion battery fires and flame trainer. And the, it allows you to do that. They also have an extinguisher product that teaches you the past technique. And so that's great for schools and hospitals, and enterprise manufacturing. And before you'd have to get a burn pan and go in the parking lot and get burn permits and it's a mess. And, um, you know, so those are just simple. You're in, interacting with the next generation of first responders and in, in, in thinking. Um, and then the other VR tech that's been really intriguing that I've seen adopted at scale is a company called River. Um, they're based out of the UK. Um, and they, they have two kind of um, lanes they live in. One is a classroom in the box that uses 360 video. Um, I have a 360 camera over there, but it's a 
three, four hundred dollar camera where you can just go on the field and capture a scene and then take that and put it on the headsets and train on it. Um, it's not as like interactive where you can move forward, backwards, up, down and pick up stuff. Right. It's just sort of mental rehearsal sets and reps on a scene. And, you know, you yourself, Tom, could go out, take this camera, capture a scene and then put it on a headset and then use it in a classroom environment. Um, so you're seeing community colleges use it to create. They've created some donning and doffing videos on how to take on and off your PPE, um, how to how to get on a fire truck. It sounds simple, but like, what's the proper way to step and grab the handle? Like, creating one to three minute modules on on simple things that maybe sound silly, but when we're talking about safety, there should be no assumptions ever, and it, it, you know, that come, that's a responsibility of the trainer to be able to instill training tactics to the to the to the students to the firefighters um in the last river they have another tool called um they use photogrammetry to create um arson and crime scene investigation so for arson investigators there's a, a lot of the sort of tactile hands-on cause and effect type training mm. um and 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 you know what there's there's another 50 to 100 vr manufacturers out there developing within public safety um those are just two in particular that at the are are making a lot of traction on the the vr side and um but there's it's 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 exciting to see but also i think i know it can be kind of overwhelming to first responders that have never embraced this before of knowing where to start and, and, and ultimately um how to actually extract value of, of utilizing a new technology like this before we get into you know talking about drones what what are some of the things departments pe personnel can do when they're contemplating um investigating or adopting some of this technology to, to what you had just said so it so it doesn't seem to be so overwhelming and it's something that's manageable this was a big conversation at the first responder immersive learning summit at the uh, illinois fire at fire safety institute last week with NASTD and NFPA, <laughs> a no shortage of acronyms within all the conversations <laughs> here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, if you've never dealt with this and if you're a small fire department, you're worried about PPE for your personnel. You're worried about making sure you have tires on your truck and it's hard enough just to find the people for the job. So to say we want to explore an investment of a, a 10 to $50,000 tool, like that's a big deal. Um, having said that, and, and I think the biggest obstacle is procurement and is, is acquiring the funds. One of the biggest takeaways I took from that event last two weeks ago was it's important to engage multiple stakeholders within the process. And when I say multiple stakeholders, I'm not just talking about multiple stakeholders in the fire department. I'm talking about stakeholders in the community. And if we're going to turn this into a capital expenditure that we're using tax dollars to purchase, um, how can you in interact with the principal at the local school? How can you interact with the safety manager of a manufacturing plant? By you? How can you interact with the, the risk manager of, uh, that under the mayor's office? And I think if, if we can continue to bridge conversations and have multiple stakeholders coming together to ultimately say that, hey, this new technology is, is actually extremely beneficial and is going to help our fire service be better at making our community safer, the chance of getting approval for a capital 
expenditure is much higher. Um, the other is how can manufacturers help communicate the the social and financial ROI in that process. So that's something that's on the manufacturers. And then um, I guess the other is is there there's financing options available, and of course banks are always willing and looking to give their money out to buy stuff. So that's not the best option for everyone, but it is some one for some. Um, but then the other is grants. There, there is going to say grants. There are so many grants out there, and you know, uh, Lexapool um, and another gentleman named Mike Mike Asimore. Um, there are some grant experts out there that they just know grants and they'll do some a lot of pro bono work um, or you know, low cost work to to help you find what grants, how to prepare, how to secure, how to get. Um, it does take, they're not going to do it for you, but it does take, um, it's out there if you really want it. And and so I think for me, I think my final comment would be is we have, I know 15 to 20 people in my network that would be happy to talk to you. Um, you know, for example, I just did a podcast last week with um, Travis Atkinson, who's with the... Um, He's with the community college. Uh, West, he's he's a firefighter at Western Wake Fire and Rescue, and he is an instructor at Chapel Hill Carborough City Schools. And he went through the whole process of creating the justification and communicating it and is using the flame trainer to train students on a daily basis. Um, and so I think gentlemen, people like him are the best at a you know, resource that I could provide to anyone that's looking to embrace new technology. And obviously that's specific to something like the, the VR technology. Excellent. All right. Let's segue into drones. Drones. Tell me, tell me, uh, share some of those, the stories, the successes. And, you know, since that's one of your, your passions. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, I, I have a, a team around me that I work with that, that lead some of the drone specialization, but, um, I've been involved with drones for about eight years now, maybe nine. And one of my closest colleagues, uh, Mike Massarino, who now uh, leads sales and development at DroneSense, um, we've been in the weeds for quite some time. We were building drones ourselves with hot glue and fiberglass and random motors that we found uh, about 10 years ago and selling some of these drones and then quickly realizing that we probably weren't very well equipped to actually manufacture our own drones. Um, and then you saw some big manufacturers come on the scene, like DJI, Altel, Parrot. Those companies have now become behemoths, almost like the iPhones and Samsungs of that space. So there are companies now that are creating incredible drone platforms. And I don't want to call a drone a commodity, but in some regards, it kind of is where you have these different drones that are either quadcopter or fixed fixed wing, and they allow you to have an object in the sky that you can then put a payload on. And that could be a camera, it could be a sensor, and there's a, a lot of different types and scopes of cameras and sensors that you can then use for a range of different applications. Um, some cool use cases that we've seen are before or kind of during an actual incident command, uh, being able to um, get eyes on the sky and being able to understand what's going on at the scene, getting a bird's eye view. What does that mean to be able to understand how you should position your trucks, how you should position your people, what's going on throughout the scene? You're also able to record that and play Monday morning quarterback 
and understand, hey, maybe we should have approached this fire a little bit differently from a, an attack perspective. Um, so that those kind of some high level use cases, some others, you know, one great example that always clicks is when doing a search and rescue for a missing person in a field or a forest, you heard stories where you they would get a, a volunteer crew of 15 people looking for 24 hours and maybe finding the person where you can now put a drone up in the sky with an infrared camera and put it on a just kind of a GPS coordinated track and find that person hopefully alive in an hour if not less I mean you're limited by the battery life of some of these drones which anywhere from kind of 20 to 40 minutes are is pretty kind of standard based on how fast you're flying in and when you wind um, mm -hmm. but that that's a great simple example of saving manpower saving use cases and uh, say you know just say ultimately not putting first responders at risk um, and then you're also seeing a range of other land and water robots um, you know there's some of these land robots are quite expensive but they can be equipped with different hazmat sensors to be able to put a land robot into a harm's way to be able to understand what the risk is uh, water robots being able to kind of go under and, and help with a, a some sort of incident where a car has fallen into the water and you need to kind of do um, you know, body reconnaissance um, so there's there's hundreds of different specific use cases, but those are some off the top of the mind that um, first responders and in, in, in public safety have adopted over the past five, six years. Nice. Nice. Uh, what other uh, success stories and on your website, smart, smartfirefighting.com, right? Yep. So what other, what are some other success stories that you've been sharing out there? I mean, one, I, I had just, I touched about it briefly, but Mike Masserino from DroneSense, they have now introduced the concept of drone as a first responder. And this is a special waiver that you need to get from the FAA, where right now you do have to be within line of sight and the drone can't go over 400 feet. But now a drone as a first responder, these drones can be positioned in different strategic locations. And ultimately you can press a button and someone now within line of sight can actually control and operate this drone, stream that video feed to an instant commander on nearby and be able to get eyes on the scene almost immediately. And I know there's been, a, there's was situations just at the Super Bowl where there was real time streaming of, of all the, of everything going on. I didn't get full reports, but I know it was, it was deemed a very safe and, and almost flawless Super Bowl from a security standpoint. And that's not by accident. Um, and there's there's also a range of other situations where um, these drones have been deployed faster to be able to find the bad guy or to save someone in distress. Um, so there's there's all sorts of those use cases and applications. And then um, you know as far as that, I mean that's kind of on on the drone standpoint. Um, but then there's kind of other things to maybe kind of keep in mind that I think is one of my favorite examples of tech and sort of overcoming the obstacle of no is there's a great podcast I did with Corey Claiborne Claiborne. Um, he's associated with the IFC. Um, his whole message was that you can actually do a lot of incident command prep and a lot of data capture on a shoestring budget, if not free using free tools. Um, even just using a lot of the Google, Google mm -hmm. suite. 
there's a lot you can do with surveys in maps to be able to create a, a pretty much a, a semi-operational tool toolbox of data capture and data insights to be able to use before, during, and after scenes. Um, and so Corey talks a lot about how to use free tools to be able to better and better help first responder prep and in response. Um, so that's a great a great podcast that I would suggest. And this is maybe going a little off topic from what you just asked, but um, I think if I could recommend any podcast that I've created to anyone, um, I did a podcast with um, Dr. Lori Moore Merrill, um, who's you know the the lead of the fire service right now. Um, and her big thing was was yes, technology by itself is great, but technology as a system and technology integrated is where you really get power momentum. And the only way to get there, is is not necessarily through all these fancy terms of innovation and technology, but it's through listening. And it's through listening into the fire service. It's about asking questions about what your problems are, what are your needs, and and actually listen. Don't kind of go in with already your sales pitch set up and you're just kind of that, you know, asking a fake question just to solicit a response. But um, she really nailed in my brain about the power of listening to the fire service mm-hmm. to be able to then see how you can combine and connect the dots. And um, to me, that that's a very powerful message to anyone trying to innovate in this space, because it's not just develop the the best, fastest, and cheapest widget, um, because if it doesn't actually solve a problem or bring value, then you're kind of just blowing smoke and wasting everyone's time, um, unless you actually work with the fire service and individual firefighters on a daily basis to understand how you can solve problems to their needs especially it's like movies special effects for special effects sake without a good story is you know it's just bells and whistles yeah doesn't doesn't do much for me it's boring big time so uh, we talked a lot about um the technology and we talked about smartfirefighting.com um share a little bit about your your mission and your work at ws darley yeah so uh darley a lot of ways is, is sort of the player behind the scenes in a lot of this and Darley's role, Darley has a couple of roles, but one of their biggest is they Darley is a commercialization partner. Darley is very good at manufacturing, distributing, marketing, and selling technology and products to the fire service. Um, so if there are companies that have unique technologies, Darley wants to hear about it. Um, and Darley has a wide sales team. They have a very experienced inside and outside support system. And they're almost at every trade show. Um, and then kind of my role has been working with other team members to build out a lot of the new technical sales and support team throughout the industry uh, or throughout throughout the company to be able to support how do we, and this has been a big evolution for Darley, selling technology is way different than selling a hose, way different than selling a nozzle. Actually, some of the nozzles these days are, are pretty advanced, but it's a combination of hardware, combination of software, combination of content, combination of reoccurring software subscription, the dynamic that stuff breaks to fix it. And this is common across other stuff, but Darley is continuing to go through the evolution of how to sell technology at scale to public safety. And, and we realize that it's not just a, hey, buy something with this part number and send us an invoice and we'll send you the product. It's a, it's a partnership. 
it's a it's something that Darling is committed to ensuring that customers are extracting value out of whatever they purchase. And right now, um, drones are a big part of the identity. Virtuality is a big part of the identity. Um, we're reevaluating our our truck division and evolving it into a, a more of a tactical truck division. And um, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but um, building a, a smart a smart truck right now um, that's going to help create resiliency around communication, power, and and um, and data connectivity, and and those are all things that um, based on surveying the market, that's what they want. Um, so it's really been my goal to just continue to have my my ears on the ground, listening to the fire service, and um, trying to find ways to work with the best technology in the world to deliver that into something that's actually bringing value to first responders on the ground. Nice. Nice. Okay. What else are you hearing with your ear to the ground? What are the things that, what are the things that you're hearing? Other things. I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, um, but I think the biggest thing I'm hearing is that we need more cross collaboration between multiple stakeholders in a community that it's not just the fire department. Frankly, it's not just, the EMS and police side too, but it's it's other stakeholders in the community. So it's needing to bring different stakeholders to the table and find a way to to find that common win win. So that that's one of my goals in in North Stars of building collaboration between different stakeholders. Um, so that's kind of a, the general one. Um, but then the other thing that I'm hearing and seeing is, of course, there's a concern of firefighter health and wellness. Um, there's a concern around diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, and I say concern, it's also major opportunities with all that. And, um, you know, becoming a firefighter shouldn't mean that you have a higher chance of getting cancer. Uh, there there should be a continued balance of men and women in, 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 in ethnicities across all the different fire, uh, across the fire service. But there's, but there's not, and there's challenges right now. But like I said, with every challenge and opportunity, and I know there's a conference going on at University of Miami, Florida this week on research around this. There's some other work coming out from organizations like IAFC that are leading a lot of this, this DEI conversation. And it's important. I mean, there's there's strength in diversity. And, and it's really important to surround yourself with people that look and think differently than you to continue to drive the best outcomes for your departments. And um, I'm, I'm personally very excited about how we can use training tools like VR to recruit more diverse fire service. Um, and, and I think that on the health and wellness side, uh, Dr. Sarah Jonke uh, in, in her organization is doing amazing work, aggregating that research and, and influencing behavior change with simple stuff. And the, you know, part of that's how you wash your gear. Part of that's how you um, take care of yourself. Part of that's making sure that you're hydrated. Things like that are all, to me, super exciting things because they're things that we really can make an impact on. It's not like we need hundreds of millions of dollars to make changes here. Part of it's a little bit of a cultural mindset, mindset shift about how we embrace differences, how we embrace the fact that maybe what we've been doing for the past hundred years in some regards actually isn't the right thing. You know, there's data that shows that these cancer rates and, and even you hear these unfortunate, terrible, tragic numbers of suicide in the fire service. And that, I think, gives us all the goosebumps. You're like, wait, 
how what's the percentage of suicide like what's the leading cause of death um and and that to me is unacceptable and part of that's how do we make it normal to talk about hey it's okay if you have a rough day and i i remember talking to various first responders and that it's hard to necessarily pinpoint to one example of what caused your you know ptsd or what what causes your 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 you know ongoing stress and anxiety but it's it can be a death of a thousand cuts and and that's kind of comes to the territory but it doesn't mean that we can't address it through support groups and community groups and and a fire chief that really embraces that and makes it normal that it's okay to talk about your feelings um so i think those to me uh, there are there's tech that can be enable some of that but that that to me is something that i'm personally excited about because there's so much opportunity to improve and continue to make the the fire service and all of public safety jobs and industry um, some of the best in the world. Nice, nice. So uh, what else that you'd like to talk about that I didn't ask you? Man, I guess I would almost want to throw it, throw it back to you and in, in, in some of those questions. I mean, I, I obviously come from a new technology perspective and wanting to integrate that to public safety. Um, and, and I think technology adoption and is a big thing and filling the capability gap is a big thing. Um, but kind of interested in, in your perspective. I mean, what are your thoughts on like the challenges with adopting tech or where do you see the lowest hanging fruit based on your experience in the public safety sector and you having people on the podcast, you know, what's, what's your take on that? Well, I think you had mentioned uh, one of the things that come to mind is cause I'm, I'm a fan of technology like you are. And so it's not hard to convince me it's of its value in, in a lot of ways, but I think, I think what, what, what does it take to overcome the resistance to change um, with some of these technologies? I think you can impress a lot of people with the, the wow factors of some of these, but then they ask, okay, is it going to sit in a box and not get used? Or how, how do you overcome that resistance to change? that resistance to something new when it's, when someone will say, well, it's just another gadget, you know, for the chiefs to have, you know, something, something like that. I guess a lot of the change management comes into what's in it for them. Right. What, and you, you mentioned a lot of that already, but convincing, convincing the naysayers out there, whatever level they might be at, that it's something necessary and valuable for their organization. Yeah. And I, I like that. And it's, it's a lot of kind of, how can we plant seeds in, I always kind of think about the inception concept of like planting conversation seeds to allow people to kind of make it their own idea. But of course, we need to empower them with the fact-based information about the the risk reduction, fact-based information on cost saving and environmental impacts in that it's there. there's a lot in it for them. Um, but it does require change management. And my mom always told me, Kevin, it's it's not a revolution, it's an evolution. And it's mm -hmm. true. Um, as much as I would like it to be a revolution in some parts and move faster, um, I think we just need to kind of look at these sort of small, small wins. Um, and I mean, I'd be interested in that. And in your perspective, have you have you seen any um, in the past 10 years or, or at all, like seen any sort of small wins or sort of small changes in direction and how technology is getting 
talked well, about or embraced. Of, well, from my experience, the use of a records management system, the value of the da- value of data to drive decisions. I think that's been something in my last 11 years in the, in this, in this industry. And then prior to that, you know, things like thermal imaging cameras and those things that, which is now just kind of a standard. Um, but that was once brand new technology. That was once cutting edge. I remember it cost thermal imaging camera cost the price of a small Honda, not too, you know, back when they first came out. And so yeah. th- uh, things, things, things like that are what come to mind immediately just the adoption of records management and, and having the having the data drive the organization and then older technology but it's just it's i'm dating myself but there's certainly things like you know computers in the trucks uh the um computers in the trucks thermal imaging cameras um hands-on extrication technologies that um have advanced th- things like that and again Back when I before when I retired, there really weren't any drones and and uh, mm-hmm. virtual reality. So, but those would be things that you know I'd probably be a champion of in my department, just especially from the training aspect. Yeah, and the thermal imaging camera is a great example where it seemed impossible to think every firefighter would have one. Now they're they're small enough to to fit on your helmet um, mm-hmm. or even aspects of your cell phone. And I actually I remember I spoke with the head of innovation at FLIR, Peter Decker's. And then I remember one conversation that, that we had, it was that, it's like, Peter, you don't, doesn't sell infrared cameras. He was like, no, you're right. We sell time. Infrared cameras allow you to better decipher the scene at hand, which gives you time. Um, and I think phrasing the conversation in ways about technology of, in it's, it's not what necessarily this widget you're buying, but it's this outcome. Um, I think another Gary Breeze had, had given me an example before of, um, you know, when you when you when you buy a hammer and a nail, you know, you're not buying the hammer and the nail. You're you're buying the the picture hung on your hung on the wall. Um, so I think speaking of the outcome of what it brings is something that we all kind of need to do a bit better. But that that comes from conversations and comes from podcasts and insights like this because it's it's definitely it's definitely an evolution of how we embrace some of this new stuff. What have you, what are you seeing? I do have a question for you. What are you seeing as far as all this technology integrating with like records management systems and, and having some of that data populate, you know, through APIs and populate within, within systems. Are you hearing or seeing any of that? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think one example is everything that you're seeing with M4s um, and a lot of you know, what Lori was doing before she moved to the, within the white house to then what John Oates is doing now at the, uh, uh, the International Public Safety Data Institute, but how there's a lot of ways to track your data. One example could be individual firefighter exposure and different firefighter exposure apps that you can sort of easily track and monitor. Uh, right now, it's still maybe a bit manual, but being able to automatically track that you, what scenes you were on and what was your exposure and being able to make sure that you can use that for anything down the road. Um, but then too, just with now with open source data and APIs, uh, there's there's so much opportunity for different companies to take this data and synthesize it into a way that can bring value. Um, one thing I'm personally very excited about is satellite data. Um, there's a lot of open source satellite data available now that you're seeing these different companies that take that data and turn it into new insights um, that can then be combined with um, 
M4s or 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 various uh, CAD data turned into a tablet. And, and I know FirstDo does a lot of this of taking disparate data sources through APIs and putting it into a tablet to allow you to not not kind of take in in in, in sort of be a burden on your cognitive load, but allowing you to think, hmm, okay. Uh, this is all in one space, and I know that I should go here and not there. I know this firefighter is there and not there. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of examples of how that's happening, and there's a bunch of companies in our community that, that are doing that, and, and I just encourage everyone to, to continue to think about how to use what's free and accessible and, and use that and try and put a spin on it um, don't necessarily try and reinvent the wheels because there's a lot of open source data out there that you can use for your different models. Nice. Nice. Okay. Well, anything else before we wrap up? Did you I would say make, make sure that everybody uh, understands about technology in the fire service. Yeah. I think kind of two simple things is, is don't be afraid to ask questions and, and, and reach out to other people who have already started to go down this path. And, and then think in the, in the words of, of Dr. Lori Moore is, is, is listen. I think to anyone trying to innovate in this space is you have to have a conversation with the first responder. You have to sit down and have lunch with the firefighter and actually ask about what do they do when they wake up? What do they think about during, during the middle of the day? What do they think about before they're going to sleep? And, and really put yourself into the shoes of the first responder because if you don't do that, you're just going to be developing some idea to maybe get fundraising from a VC to look cool on your LinkedIn or Instagram. Like that doesn't do any of this good. Um, we need more innovation and more disruptive entrepreneurs in this space, but you can't do it without listening to the firefighter. So um, that's my message to all the entrepreneurs and to, to reach out and, and get involved in smart firefighting and, and continue to, to listen and engage with, with you, Tom and, and, and everything that first do is doing. Cause I know first do is, is bringing quite a bit of value to different first responder stakeholders. And I know there's an exciting technology roadmap that that first two is building out. So um, I'm excited to be a piece of that puzzle. And, and I encourage everyone to, to continue to reach out and use the resources that you have at your dismay. Right on, Kevin. Well, thanks for spending time with me today. Hey, the pleasure is mine. Thank learned, you. Learned a lot. And uh, I wish you continued success in what you're doing with WS Darley with the, and with the smartfirefighting.com. Thanks, Tom. Back at you. You're welcome. You're welcome, Kevin. Thank you. Thanks.